I was raised in the cleft of a valley, a cotton mill town named Mossley in Tameside in the northwest of England. Mossley means a woodland clearing by a swamp or bog. Sexy, I know, don't tell anyone. Mosley is nestled in the foothills of the Pennines on the edge of Saddleworth Moors, which are perhaps best known for the infamous Moors murders in the 1960s. Green rolling hills frame steep and undulating roads and some cobblestone streets remain as a reminder of bygone days. There also remain the rows of two-up, two-down terraces that once housed textile workers and spinners of old. It is a place split by a thoroughfare that takes you from Yorkshire over the tops of the Pennines to our nearest major city, Manchester. Mossley Brew is the town's main high street, a road that separates the top from the bottom of the town. These two parts feel like different entities. Bottom Mossley, where I lived for much of my childhood, was a basin through which a canal runs dwarfed by lush green hills and the lovely stone Victorian magnificence that punctuates the landscape as you rise up to Top Mossley, where the well-to-do historically lived and the views are suitably impressive. The lack of horizon from the valley mentally dictated that there wasn't much outside of it. Neighbouring towns would refer to Mosley's inhabitants, us, as sheep shaggers, which I didn't understand as a kid and as a young adult wasn't impressed by. But with no vista or horizon to tempt me past its borders and firmly held within the hill's embrace, Mosley was the centre of my universe and, for me, there was nothing to see, conquer or acquire beyond it. I hadn't any concept of ever leaving, no desire to seek anything past it, no yearning to go too far. I still love my hometown and I've learned to appreciate it entirely as an adult and certainly as a mother. Being brought up there was a blessing. While Mosley was my foundation, my mum, Wendy, came from a world away from northwest England. Mum is Anglo-Indian, born and bred in Rajasthan at a time when Anglo-Indians still bore the hallmarks of being a product of the East India Company's rule in India in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. Way back then, it was typical for British officers and soldiers to take local wives and start families due to the lack of available English women. These Anglo-Indian children were taught the English school curriculum, given Western names, practised Christianity and were positively encouraged to see themselves as English. Mum is the eldest of four children, her siblings being Neil, Judy and Rodney. Nana also lost a child named Gillian, who died six months after she was born. Mum remembers being told it was due to the baby developing rickets. It must have been a devastating blow to Nana, but even so, it was a loss of which I never heard her speak. Nana was beautiful, pale-skinned and delicate. Grandad Dart, with thick, wavy, brill-creamed hair, was tall and handsome. They were a beautiful couple. They lived in the Anglo-Indian colony in Gungapur, where Grandad worked on the railways, like his father before him. Although he was unable to secure a job as a driver or mechanic due to his colour blindness, so instead he managed the workshop as a foreman for the maintenance men. They were kept very busy, 
not least because calls to derailment sites across northwest India were frequent due to free-roaming cows, which held revered status and sacred regard. Nana did not work, and like many Anglo-Indian families, they had Indian servants. They had a great social life in the colony. Grandad was the entertainment secretary at the local social hub, the Institute, and would do the bingo calling on a Wednesday night and be master of ceremonies for the dances. They organised bottle and tin competitions of different descriptions where the winners would take the spoils. In addition, there were billiards tournaments and three-card gambling, and Grandad was also a keen sportsman, loving cricket, tennis, shooting and fishing. The only real threat to them was being robbed. Just after they were married, before they'd moved to the Anglo-Indian colony, a group of intruders entered their house in the dead of night to rob them of their wedding gifts and belongings. 